Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, I'm Matthew Wolf, and you're listening to my podcast. This podcast is the best bit from my weekly radio show on Wizard Radio Station every Sunday from 3 till 4. What you're listening to is taken from live radio, but this is a podcast, which means it is obviously not live. So please do not try and get in contact with any of the live details you may hear me mention throughout the show, as your messages will not be received, but you may still be charged. All of our terms and conditions for getting involved can be found on our website, www.wizardradio.co.uk. Also, as this is a podcast, some of the information we give about news stories may have been updated or changed since our broadcast went live. The information in this podcast is accurate and correct as of the time the radio show was originally broadcast but might not now be accurate. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss the live radio show every Sunday from 3 till 4 where you can get in touch live. Hello and welcome to my podcast. On the show today, we had two interesting topics that the listeners got in touch on. The first question, which we discussed for the majority of the show, was how should lockdown be eased? People got in touch to tell me that they thought lockdown was being eased too slowly, too quickly. And some people actually agreed with the government and thought that um, the easing measures are actually perfect for what's coming ahead. Um, we discussed vaccines and vaccine passports and all the things that come with uh, reducing lockdown measures in a safer way as possible. Then later in the show, we had a few messages on what should happen with exams this year. Uh, there's been confusion and chaos after exams were cancelled, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on what should replace them. Good afternoon and welcome to Wizard Radio. I'm Matthew Wolf, and for the next hour, and at this time every single Sunday, I'll be discussing your thoughts on the biggest current affairs and political stories of the week gone by. Today, our main topic will focus on the forthcoming announcement from the Prime Minister Boris Johnson about how lockdown is set to be eased over the coming weeks and months. With schools set to be the first to return and pubs and restaurants rumoured to be closed for much longer, I want your opinions on if the proposed plans are too slow, too fast, or if you feel they strike the right balance between safety and the need to restart our lives. And later in the show, I want to hear your views on the uncertainty surrounding summer exams. Do you feel angry at the lack of clarity given by the government? And how confident are you that they'll come to a positive resolution? As always, get in touch. You can tweet us or DM us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at WizRadio. Text us at no extra cost, only standard network rate supply on 07 807 183 Email us station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of our contact details are on our website www.wizardradio.co.uk
Good afternoon. Tomorrow, the Prime Minister Boris Johnson will announce his plans to reopen the UK and ease coronavirus restrictions. Lockdown has been, at the same time, the most effective method of suppressing cases of the coronavirus, whilst also being absolutely devastating to businesses, people's mental health and the economy as a whole. With 17.5 million people now vaccinated with the first dose and 1.5 million people having received two doses, many are predicting in anticipation that the government's announcement tomorrow will bring positive news about the state of restrictions. It's widely expected that a phased reopening of schools will come first, set to be on the 8th of March, followed closely by the reintroduction of outdoor meetings between two households and the reopening of some non-essential shops. Care homes are also set to allow one visitor per resident. Allowing people more social contact is reportedly number 10's priority. Another interesting line said by Boris Johnson during a coronavirus briefing this week was that the steps taken to ease lockdown this time should be, and I quote, cautious but irreversible, offering hope that we may be entering the beginning of the end. However, whilst many Tory backbenchers want restrictions to be eased at a set time, many scientists believe that they should be eased at a flexible time, depending on ongoing, continuous data. Either way, what is needed, and has so far been lacking from the government, is at least some form of clear criteria for the end of lockdown. Here is Professor Thomas House, a member of SAGE, explaining how the situation of easing restrictions is complicated, and that the data cannot actually be the sole benchmark for restrictions being eased. Well, the important thing to realise is these decisions are always driven by politics and values as much as they are by technical or uh, uh, mathematical considerations. But what I think people need to understand is this disease is very infectious. The R rate now is, is close to one, primarily because of the non-pharmaceutical interventions. We believe that if people returned to their behaviour of about a year ago, there is insufficient immunity, um, either due to natural infection or vaccination, to control spread. So we have to think carefully about that. But it, it's never the case, I think it's important to stress, it's never the case that those numbers on their own determine what we need to do, because we also need to know what's going on, exactly as you said in the package, these difficult trade-offs, um, what's going on in the communities, the real the real de you know, details, as well as that that big picture of just how infectious this is and how much immunity there needs to be before um, normal behaviour will not lead to increased spread. So Professor House, I mean last time, you know, maybe 10 months ago, the suggestion was that we had to protect the capacity of the NHS to deal with this. The goalposts have shifted here, haven't they? This is a stronger standard you're trying to meet in order to lift the restrictions. Well that's why I said it, it's a value judgement that actually if, if um, numbers are very low, then fast growth means much less because it's it's small numbers on top of small numbers. The problem is that when something is this infectious, we can lose control and end up making decisions that, that may be um, very, very much worse from every point of view um, because our hand has been forced. Whereas if we can um, be careful, I think everyone hopes that we can really see a, a roadmap back to normal um, that, that's going to um, drive an appropriate balance, but there's no easy answer to that. And I think it would be, you know, it, it's unfortunate to claim that it's easy in either direction, um, either that we can 
unlock very quickly because things are over or to claim that things are so hopeless that we we mustn't we can't see normality i, th I think it's there and and we just need a real dose of realism about what what is involved in the route to it so professor house there referenced the issues faced in certain communities with huge disparities in vaccine take-up in different areas should restrictions be eased too suddenly and those communities with a lower vaccine take-up would suffer as the virus found them. There is, however, the pressing demand on the economy. As the boss of the restaurant chain Leon told the BBC this week that economic destruction costs lives and that what was needed from the start was a holistic cost-benefit analysis of lockdown measures. I want to hear your thoughts on this trade-off and on the rumoured speed that lockdown restrictions, restrictions are set to be eased at. Do we need a faster reopening or not? As always, I want you to get in touch throughout the hour. On Instagram and Twitter, we're at Wiz Radio. Text us at no extra cost with only standard network rates applying on 07 807 183538. Email station at wizardradio.co.uk and all of the details are on our website, uk. And almost a month has passed since the student parent consultation form on what should replace exams this summer was closed. Yet since then, there has been no indication whatsoever from the government on what will replace cancelled exams. For the second topic today, I want to know from you what you would like to replace them. Are teacher grades fair or are internal exams more accurate? I want to know your suggestions, but I also want to know what you think of and how you're coping with this delay from Gavin Williamson and the Department of Education. Does this delay give you confidence that they're taking the time to make a good decision or does it give you the sense that the department don't know what they're doing for the final time before our first break you can get in touch on instagram and twitter we're at whiz radio you can get in touch through the text on 07807183538 you can email our station at wizardradio.co.uk and check out our website on which all of our contact details are listed www.wizardradio.co.uk so as I said, I want all your thoughts on the first topic straight after the break. The question, just to remind you, is are the government releasing restrictions at a fast enough rate or are they too fast? I want to hear your thoughts on uh, the rumoured announcement uh, that Boris Johnson is going to make tomorrow, your thoughts on that, and also uh, what you do if you're in his situation. But first, coming up is Heady One, Siberia featuring Burner Boy. So back to the question that I'm asking all of you today, the question of how should lockdown be eased? And before I get into your messages, uh, of which we've had lots already, I just want to um, reference some things I've, I've read this week, uh, because it's often portrayed that there's one view throughout the scientific community of what science says is the right thing to do. And when it comes to dealing with facts, there is usually uh, one view once it's verified, especially things that um, we've known for a long time. But with other things, there, there's often disagreement within the scientific community. And um, the speed at which lockdown should be eased is one of those things. I, I came across two articles this week, um, both through um, both by uh, senior scientists that have uh, very differing opinions on how lockdown should be eased. I'll start off with um, just a, a very small extract from um, 
an article in The Telegraph by Professor David Livermore, who's uh, a professor of medical microbiology at the University of East Anglia, Anglia and um, a member of HEART, the Health Advisory and Recovery Team. And um, he argued in his article that uh, whilst it may sound safer to um, ease lockdown gradually, it would actually be more beneficial to um, ease lockdown quite suddenly. So I'm just going to read... Uh, a, I'm just going to read a small extract from what he said. So he says, um, as vulnerable groups are vaccinated and second shots should be accelerated, lockdown should be swiftly released, allowing circulation of virus in the low risk population. Those who have been vaccinated will thereby be exposed at a time when their antibody levels are high and best able to fend off weakly covered variants. The result will be to boost and widen immunity. The touted alternative of a very cautious reopening sounds safer, but it isn't. It hazards delivering a population with waning immunity as we enter the next winter virus season. So he's there arguing that it would actually be beneficial to open up suddenly and um, build up a, a greater collective immunity whilst uh, people's protection is uh, at, its, at its strongest. However, this is not um, a uniform opinion uh, held by the scientific community. Um, an article published on the BBC um, references Dr. Susan Hopkins, who um, is an advisor to um, the government on, um, she's a health advisor to the government. I think she's very senior in, um, in the health department. And she told um, the BBC's Andrew Marr that she hopes this summer will be similar to last summer, but she thinks there needs to be gradual, a gradual reduction in restrictions and that, we should be prepared for a tough few months. She said, we have to follow the data and we have to see the impact of the vaccine on the ground. It's a difficult balance. We've got to move as fast as we can, but in such a way that keeps people safe. So she's saying that restrictions need to be eased um, fairly slowly so that, um, as we said in the introduction, groups of people that haven't been vaccinated are not exposed to it all at once. And this seems to be um, the opinion the government are favouring and that um, they're rumoured to be taking. Um, the idea that it should be a gradual restriction to make sure that cases don't multiply too quickly and we see uh, another peak in deaths and cases, which is what everyone is trying to avoid. Um, so those are two opinions from a scientific community. Hopefully that um, gives everyone a base in which to um, base their opinions off. But I'm going to get straight into the messages now that have come in already. And this one is from Daniel. He's got in touch to say this might be a bit of a selfish message. But I think the first thing that should happen is schools reopening. Throughout the pandemic so far, Boris Johnson has consistently said that the most important thing is for schools to open so we can, so we can continue our classes. And these virtual classes are just so boring and they don't work. I'm missing classes and I miss my friends. This is going to impact the rest of my life. I'm never ever going to be able to catch up on everything I've missed from last year and this year. I'm never going to get back those memories I've missed. Schools should be prioritised. Well, Daniel, thanks for the message, and I agree with everything you've said there. I think that not just for um, the social benefit, which is enormous, I think for the, for the educational benefit, I think schools are the absolute top priority of what should reopen first. And um, it, it's really incalculable the, um, what people are missing while schools are closed. Um, Another article that I stumbled across um, this week was um, 
by a, prof- a health professor at University College London. And he talks about how um, restrictions need to be eased gradually, but that everything in life is a trade-off. And people go about their lives without realising that it's a trade-off. There's a trade-off between going in a car, the risk of getting somewhere quickly, but putting yourself at a greater risk. And um, a trade-off will have to be made between people missing out on education, a whole generation um, missing out on the social benefits of school, the um, eventual economic benefits that will come with a better education, uh, the social benefits that we haven't yet seen because this will be a long-term, it, it will create long-term impacts. All of these things need to be weighed up with um, with the danger that opening schools can cause. And I know what I'm saying now is controversial and will anger quite a lot of people because, of course, schools um, were said to be one of the places that caused the, the, the increase in cases uh, last time and caused us to get in this terrible mess. But I have to say that I didn't have this opinion last time. I thought that while schools are very important, I thought that they shouldn't have been um, open straight opened uh, to full capacity for as long because we are in a very different situation. There's one thing that makes this time different to the last. But one thing that the government could have done but didn't do is during this time off and during the half term, make sure that teachers are vaccinated because who are the highest risk people in a school? Young people have an extremely low risk uh, from COVID-19. But teachers aren't always, um, teachers are adults. Some of them are older. Some of them are obviously in lower priority groups, but they're the most at-risk people in a school. Those and the other people that work in the school, the the dinner ladies, the, um, the, the caretakers, all of these older people. The government, in my opinion, should have made it their priority to get those people vaccinated when they have the chance in the half term. And I've said it, the government have done an absolutely brilliant job in rolling out the vaccination programme. We all uh, during this pandemic, but they cannot be criticised for the speed in which they're rolling out vaccines. But I do think that teachers, a relatively small group of people, uh, when you look at the entire population, could have been placed ahead of perhaps um, some of the under 70s that are now being offered the vaccine in that and that in itself would have allowed um, schools to reopen in a much safer way. Um, the point that I'm making now is one echoed by um, is one that was echoed this morning by uh, the member of parliament for um, for Tottenham, David Lammy, uh, the Labour MP. He said this um, this morning on television. And um, if you go to his Twitter, or I've retweeted it on my Twitter, there's a really good clip of him explaining uh, why it would have been feasible and it would have been the best thing to do to make sure teachers were vaccinated. And I'd, I'd advise you to, if you can, uh, check that out because it, it, it's, um, I found it very interesting. And um, it's an opinion that I have quite strongly. And of course, everyone's entitled to disagree, but I really do feel that that's what the government could have done to ensure that schools restart as soon as possible, but also as safely as possible. Um, so yeah, thanks for that text out there, Daniel. Um, I've got another one here from Kieran who says, I don't think lockdown should be eased, Matthew. We're still above 10,000 new cases a day in the UK. The point we're at now is the same point we were at in October when the government started talking about Christmas and there was a lot of backlash then. And we're still significantly higher than we were at the peak last March, April and May when daily cases were never this high. At the first peak, daily cases peaked at four to 5,000 cases. Now we're over, the du- over double the amount of daily cases we had then, and now we're starting to ease lockdown. That doesn't add up to me. 
well, Kieran, you've raised um, a host of legitimate concerns. But one thing I would say is that um, the number of cases recorded early in the pandemic is very inaccurate. We know, of course, that testing was far lower than it is now. The capacity was nowhere near as high. So it is inaccurate to um, reference those three to four K cases a day as um, as completely accurate um, when it comes to cases. But one thing that can be looked at is, unfortunately, whether it's been recorded... Well, sorry, I'll say this again. Um, cases of the coronavirus do eventually lead to deaths, and deaths can be recorded... Um, tragically, they can be recorded fairly easily. It's, it's not hard to record when a person dies in hospital. So um, what can be compared is the deaths at the, the peak in the, this January and the deaths at the peak in April, May. And the deaths in the peak in, in January this year were higher than the peak at the start of the pandemic. But in every metric, deaths are falling. Hospital admissions for COVID-19 are falling. And uh, we are on a downward curve when it comes to COVID-19. Uh, the vaccination is gradually starting to reduce transmission, but it won't. The effects of vaccination won't really be seen in a, in a big scale until far more people have had two doses. Um, but it does. It does. Um, it does. The rollout of the vaccination does mean that um, we're in a slightly different situation to earlier in the pandemic, and uh, more specifically October, which you referenced there in your text, Kieran. So um, I do see your point. Um, perhaps we're being uh, too too quick to, re to release restrictions but I would say that this lockdown has been crippling uh, again for businesses again for uh, people's mental health and I think that, that a trade-off needs to be struck and now may be the time to cautiously reopen uh, no one's saying uh, reopen everything straight away uh, even uh, the scientist I read earlier who's saying that um, the, the, the professor from the University of East Anglia uh, when he says uh, open up uh, more quickly I'm sure he doesn't mean uh, pack people into tiny indoor venues and just say it is what it is. I'm sure he's not saying that. What he is saying is that it perhaps needs to be a slightly quicker relaxation of rules than uh, what we're seeing. But maybe I've gone off track from your text there, Kieran, but I do think that there needs to be a trade-off between um, the economy, uh, people's mental health, and, of course, people's physical health when it comes to... Um, the, the coronavirus so yeah um thanks again in touch but the main point i'm going to take from a text there is that um there are other metrics that we can look at as opposed to cases when comparing to earlier in the pandemic because um the, the testing facilities were simply not comparable to what they are now but yeah thanks again in touch kieran i'm going to move on though to um a text from lauren who says i know a lot of people disagree with this method but i think the best way to ease lockdown would be with vaccine passports if you've had one of your vaccine and you've been vaccinated for three weeks or so, so your protection has started to kick in, then I think you should be able to start living life a bit more now. It shouldn't be this free for all, like the way the government has done it so far, where everyone gets to do the same things, even though now not everybody is in the same position in terms of their protection against the virus. Whether it was a vaccine, whether it was with a vaccine passport or something else, if you start to have protection, then, the, then you should have less rules applying to what you can and cannot do. Well, Lauren, that's a really interesting um, text, and it's been touted as a way that um, the country can open up. But I do think that 
one of the things that perhaps caused the, the spike we're experiencing now is lack of compliance with the lockdown. And uh, compliance drops when people see other people legally not following the restrictions. We saw that with the tier system and um, with uh, small local lockdowns that first focused on uh, individual cities and then uh, broadened out. And we know, we know that that um, caused jealousy and anger and caused uh, uh, compliance to drop in other places. So I think the government have, in their minds at least, rejected that, um, that stance and are now approaching a everyone's in it together kind of idea. But whether that's for the best or not um, is up for debate. You obviously think it's not for the best. Um, one really interesting point as well is that the people that have received the vaccine and um, are going to receive two doses are older people and um, the people that are most at risk. And um, they're perhaps the people who are less... Obviously, you can't speak for everyone and there are exceptions, but when it comes to people that want to go out again partying and go to nightclubs and pubs, it, it's mostly the people that are going to be the last to get the vaccine, younger people. It's less likely to be um, older people. So if this is a way to reignite the um the hospitality in the restaurant industry then i don't think it will be as effective because um older people are less likely to be um wanting to jump at the chance to uh, go to the next nightclub however i do think that the idea that um some kind of passport can be used to reopen the hospitality industry a really interesting thing that boris johnson said uh, this week is that um is that uh, rapid testing uh, lateral flow testing can be used to reopen nightclubs and um, what how this would work is that um, obviously you you queue up outside with masks and then uh, there'd be rapid fire coronavirus testing and if you tested negative you'd be able to go inside and obviously we know that these lateral flow tests are not entirely accurate but they're obviously uh, accurate enough to offer better protection than having no test at all but what's important to remember is that every scientist and every advisor is saying that this state where we can open nightclubs with no social distancing uh, through lateral flow tests is still a long way off because we need to get to the point where um, most of the vulnerable population have had two vaccines so that they're um, fully protected before we can take these sort of risks. So it's a really interesting point of view um, that... Um, people's freedom can be specific to themselves and the uh, the, the 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 treatments i mean a vaccine is not a treatment it's a preventative uh, form of medicine but um it can be specific to the person and i i have to say that um in a way i think that that couldn't work on a large scale but when it comes to smaller scale um use especially at some point further in the future such as with nightclubs i think it can be a good idea i do think that it was uh, wrong of Boris Johnson to be talking of that um, now. I think it um, created some false hope because this is still a long way off. But maybe other people will be buoyed by the announcement that um, there'll be some kind of nightlife and pubs uh, may be able to reopen uh, with less restrictions sometime in the distant future. But of course, it will be dependent on um, the data and the ongoing uh, numbers of people being vaccinated and um getting that level of protection so yeah thanks for getting in touch there lauren um i hope i've kind of addressed your your text there uh, we're going to go to another break now and then i want to continue to discuss this issue of how should lockdown be eased in the uk the song on now is cardi b and up <laughs>
Welcome back to Wizard Radio, I'm Matthew Wolfe. Just a reminder before we continue on the messages on the topics we're discussing, we're discussing today. The first question which we've had messages in throughout the first half an hour of the show is the question of how should lockdown be eased in the UK? Later in the show, I will, I'll be discussing your thoughts on what should happen with exams this year. But back to the first topic, and um, we've had a variety of opinions on how quick uh, lockdown should be eased, whether vaccine passports are a good idea, and etc. And we've got another one here on the idea of vaccine passports from Tatum, who says, Sorry, Matthew, but I need to disagree with the message from your listener, Lauren. The people who have been vaccinated now are at the most risk. Those are the people who should be shielding, not leaving lockdown yet. It's us young people who haven't been vaccinated yet who should be able to leave the house because we are less likely to die from the virus. I also disagree with the idea of vaccine passports as a whole because it's discriminatory and doesn't consider people who for health reasons can't be vaccinated. Just ease lockdown slowly, get people vaccinated quickly and then people can start living their lives again. That's a great text, Tatum. And um, maybe I'm saying that because I um, agree with what you're saying and I said it earlier, but I, I do think that you've raised a, a host of really good points. Um, the idea of vaccine passport is discriminatory. It uh, sets people apart based on things that they can't necessarily control. Um, you echo my point that um, the people vaccinated now are the least likely to want to go to nightclubs and pubs, whatever. And um, they are the most at risk. So until they have had uh, both doses and are most protected, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be correct for them to be um, going out and uh, living life as normal because they're still at risk and at the most risk uh, when compared to uh, younger people. So I think that's a really important thing to just bear in mind. Um, an another uh, issue you've raised there is the idea that many people who want to get vaccinated simply can't and may never be and that's because they're, they're perhaps allergic to some of the, the chemicals inside the vaccine and these cases are rare but those people still shouldn't be forgotten. Um, many people have um, many yeah for many people with those allergies um, the situation is perhaps more dangerous for them so um, it would not be fair to um, to release restrictions while other people are still suffering so I would say that I agree with you that slow and steady um, may be the way uh, it may be the safest way it may be the most cautious way and uh, it might be the only the only way that is feasible of course, others would say that um, once the vulnerable people are vaccinated, um, everything should be, uh, all restrictions should be eased and ditched because, um, of course, this is not a very dangerous disease to um, most younger people who don't have underlying health conditions. But um, you could, but um, in contrast to that, um, it could be said that um, it would only be effective if um, people did if people uh, m if the country moved as a whole because um lack of compliance can arise from uh, restrictions that only target certain groups and of course there are certain groups of people that have not got the vaccine and if restrictions are eased suddenly the virus could find them so those are the two sides uh, of the of, of the coin there um we raised both of them in the introduction um and i'm just i just raised them there maybe i've um maybe i'm repeating myself but yeah, thanks for that uh, that text there, Tatum. And um, yeah, I agree with what you're saying, that I think it is perhaps discriminatory and not fair to um, create this idea of vaccine passports for um, people that have had and haven't um, 
had a dose of the vaccine. So, yeah, I'm going to move on now to another text here from Olivia, who says, I'm not a Tory, but I think the government is going at the right pace. I don't agree with Boris Johnson's idea that the easing of lockdown should be irreversible because nobody knows what might happen in the future, especially with the mutations of the virus. But other than that, as you said, Matthew, deaths are dropping. Hospitals are starting to not be at capacity and things are easing up. I think the I think first should be outdoor meetings between two or more households and non-essential shops with limits on how many people can be inside and things like that. Just slowly and steadily waiting six weeks between each change so the data can actually be analysed before more decisions are made. Well, Olivia, I want to start right at the end of your message because this is a point that I've made before on this show and I'm going to make again. One thing that annoys me with the government's restrictions is that they, that they often don't even allow time for the restrictions to come into effect. We know that there's a lag between cases uh, and deaths and hospitalizations because the virus takes maybe two, if not more, uh, weeks to cause serious infection. And what annoyed me previously when the government were imposing stricter lockdown restrictions is that instead of just going straight away into a strict lockdown, they came up with these semi-restrictions and within a week or within only two weeks, they straight away went to stricter restrictions. And I, in my, in my opinion, they should have either waited longer with the intermediate restrictions or they should have gone straight to the stricter restrictions. It came across as uh, weak and um, I didn't agree with that. So that's just one point I'd make, uh, completely agreeing with, the, with you there, Olivia. But I have to say I do uh, disagree with you on one point. The idea that you said that the easing of lockdown should... You, disagree, you said that you think the uh, easing of lockdown should not be irreversible. And I'd have to say that I disagree with that. I think that the easing of restrictions now should be irreversible as much as possible. Obviously, obviously, if we get to next winter and cases are skyrocketing with a new variant, then it would, of course, be the right thing to do to reintroduce restrictions. But I think in general, I think the way to do it is to gradually lift restrictions so that by the time people are able to interact with each other again, uh, immunity is at a point and that the virus is not dangerous to as many people. Because, listen, uh, like I said, um, in the article from UCL, it said that people make trade-offs every day. And um, the boss of Leon, like I said in the introduction, did say that um, a bad economy costs lives. And it's true. The longer this goes on, the more businesses are crippled, the longer a recession could be. People will be in desperate, desperate trouble. The economy will suffer, and with that will come people's lives because the rate of poverty will increase and lots and lots of terrible um, negative effects will be seen in the long run. So I do think that um, when, once restrictions are eased, unless uh, it, it's a worst case scenario, they should be eased for as long as possible. And that will only, that will only, be, uh, that will only be able to be possible if restrictions are eased um, gradually, in my opinion. Um, if they're eased suddenly, we perhaps risk uh, cases multiplying at a quicker rate and us getting to the state where um, cases again are out of control and um, lockdown is reimposed. Because I think no one wants lockdown not just because of the economic consequences, which I said, which will, which I referenced earlier, which of course will be absolutely terrible uh, for people's lives, but also because of the mental health and the social benefits. People's lives since April last year have been on halt. 
it's no way to live to have your lives completely halted and stopped. Uh, we need to restart our lives and we need to get back to doing the things we want to do because this is no sustainable way to live without freedom in a in a 21st century society. Of course, of course, these lockdown measures were necessary and um, perhaps they should have even come in earlier back in April. Of course they were necessary. Of course we needed them to keep us safe, but they cannot be a long-term solution. And now that we have the vaccine and now that we have a clear route out of it, I believe that if we do this right, the restrictions can be eased in an irreversible way. And that's something we should all look forward to, uh, this being the beginning of the end. Um, so, yeah, I do disagree with you in part of your text there, Olivia, but I think you've made a host of really good points. Um, I'm going to move on now to a text from Nathan. And Nathan, this is going to be the last show. Um, the last show. <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be the last text on the topic for this show. And you've said, uh, I've been listening to a lot of these conversations on the radio and also on Twitter. And I know that nobody on your show has suggested this yet, but I don't think pubs should be allowed to reopen yet. I don't know what the obsession in this country is about pubs, but people act like reopening pubs is a priority when it shouldn't be. The government has talked in the past about reopening pubs before they reopen restaurants, which just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe you can explain why, Matthew, but we need to get over this obsession and just have and just accept that pubs are not safe enough to be reopened yet. Okay, so Nathan, um, I can see your frustration, the idea that pubs are an indoor space and uh, that by drinking alcohol, people are less likely to observe social distancing and that it's perhaps unwise to reopen pubs for everything else. But pubs are, um, there's a cultural thing with pubs in the UK. It's not just that, um, they're a place people go to drink. They're, they're a social place and um, they've been part of this country for, without sounding, I don't know, without sounding sentimental or whatever, um, they've been part of British culture for a very, very long time. And um, people love the pub. It's where they go during the weekend. It's it's something that's part of British culture. And as, on top of that, um, they're often small family-run businesses that add a huge amount to the British economy. So that will perhaps explain why the government are keen to um, reopen them and um, yeah, I think that's what I'll just say on your text there because we're running slightly late for um, our song break. We're going to get our final song of the hour on next and then we're going to have, I spoke wrong before, we're going to have one more uh, message on this topic of how should lockdown be eased and then we're going to be getting on to our second topic of what should happen with exams this year. So right now is the final song of the hour. It's Femme Honest featuring Ian Dior. That was Femme and Ian Dior with Honest. So back to the first topic, the topic we've been discussing for the first three quarters of an hour of today's show, the question of how should lockdown be eased? And we've got loads and loads of messages in so far on that question. And um, we've got one here from Dylan who says, if I'm going to be honest, Matt, I'm against the idea of them reopening schools as a priority. I hate homeschool as much as anyone. It's boring. We're missing so many lessons. It's so tiring and I miss my friends. All of the memories I thought I'd be making at school, I'm not making any of those. But opening physical schools has a big impact on the virus. You're letting hundreds of thousands of people out of lockdown. You have teachers and helpers and admin staff, bus and coach drivers, and then all of the people that we live with. If I go to school and someone gets the virus, then I need to get tested. If I test positive, then that's my whole family, my siblings, my parents, etc., who will probably end up positive, which impacts their work, their health, and in my case, 
where my mum is a carer for my grandma, it potentially puts my grandma at risk of not having care. Schools shouldn't come first. Well, Dylan, you've raised a host of really, really interesting points and um, completely, completely understandable fears. And um, the fears you're expressing there are what ended up becoming reality um, during the last phase of reopening schools, in which were probably the main contributor for um, the huge rise in cases we experienced at the start of this year. But one thing I'd say is that I still think schools should be a priority, but I think that there's a way they can be safer. Uh, we had, I think it was in June, maybe even at the end of last school year, uh, before schools were open to full capacity, I'm not sure if every school did this, but I came into school about um, twice a week or something for a few weeks, whilst um, twice a week for a few weeks and schools were socially distanced. Maybe that can be uh, what goes on. We discussed extensively on this show how the government um, spent millions of pounds on a, an in-school testing programme. But that was then cancelled because schools were closed and the UK went into lockdown. So I think it's really important to remember that um, it's really important to remember that um, there are ways of making schools safe. Vaccinating teachers, as David Lammy said, uh, having rapid flow testing in schools, all of these ways that can make schools safer. And I feel that the government have to actually implement these things when they announce their plans for reopening schools tomorrow. So, yeah, thanks for your text there, Dylan. Um, you're going to be the last message of this topic. So uh, thanks for everyone for getting in touch on that topic. But we're going to have to be quick here to get in some messages on the second question of what should happen with exams this year. And one text here is from Juliet, who says, I think that teacher assessed grades can work, but they just need to be worked out properly. This might sound weird, but I think that we should be able to contribute to our own results. If they go with TAG as the method, that's teacher assessed grade. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I read the acronym wrong. Um, it should be partially done by the exam board and regulator, partially by the teacher, and then we should be able to see our proposed results and speak to our teachers about them before the results are published. So we don't need to go through a challenge process to try and get our grades changed. The information for our results is going to be based on such weak data, but I think the least they could do is actually involve us in the process. Well, Juliet, um, I kind of see where you're coming from, but I do think that there are issues to that. Um, the idea of getting kids involved in the grades is obviously raises the question of um, things being unfair because kids obviously want to have the best grade possible. And if everyone's getting A's and A stars, then there is no value to an A and an A star. Um, teaching assessed grades did result in higher in higher grades than um, a normal exam year. And um, I'd say that considering the circumstances last year, that was perhaps the best situation. It wouldn't have been fair to undergrade people who didn't take exams. So perhaps it's better to overgrade people than undergrade people. But I do think that that can't be the long-term solution because, of course, if um, you give too many people top grades, then in the future, that means the top grades are worthless and the people who really are the top um, don't get the benefits of um, setting themselves apart for universities or etc. Um, so I, I, I do think that um, that's the problems with teacher assessed grades. There's a reason that exams exist in the first place. But I think that... Um, there needs to be perhaps a compromise. There needs to be something in between in which something like coursework uh, goes on instead of exams. That's my personal opinion, uh, in which um, people submit um, some kind of assessed wor work, but internally assessed, that maybe uh, two out of every um, 
two out of every 10 pieces of work get sent to an exam regulator who says, right, this is way overmarked or way undermarked or this is right. And um, based on that, everyone else submits their work. And it's almost like, like coursework, which obviously isn't an exam and would perhaps be um, a lot better than springing a surprise exam on people who've been homeschooled for months. But it's also um, provides maybe a more accurate reflection of what people can do than um, complete teacher assessed grades. So that's what I think. Um, but we've got another text here from Mike who says, this is such a hard one because when we get our results this summer, we have had disrupting, disrupted learning for two years now. So it is such an unfair system. Me and my friends have been talking about this a lot and we think it should be based on assessments, writing tasks and activities and things like that because that is a valid way of working out how well somebody knows a topic. There are, an, there are alternative forms of testing that aren't this old-fashioned method we're used to of everyone going into a hall and taking the same test. If anything, assessments might be more beneficial because you're more likely to remember the information afterwards and you don't need to cram. They just need to look at other ways of fairly getting grades for us. Well, Mike, um, I, I agree with you. I do think that um, assessment, some form of assessment is probably needed to make sure that um, grades are accurate. But it's perhaps not fair to um, give people exams. It's, no, I'm not going to say perhaps. It is not fair to give um, normal exams, considering the disruption we've had over the last two years. And the government, to give them some, I'm not sure they deserve it when it comes to um, the exam situation, but to give them some credit, uh, they have cancelled exams and said that um, they're not going ahead uh, as normal, uh, which can be commended. But, but we need to know quickly um, what's coming in its place because if people don't have any motivation to, to work, no, no goal to work for, it will cause even more disruption. And I know that a lot of people, myself included, are struggling to um, stay motivated when it comes to schoolwork with, without a goal in sight. And I think that the government do need to act as quickly as possible to, um, to give people that goal. So, um, yeah, thanks for that text there, Mike. I'm going to move on now to the final message of the show uh, from Sophie, who says... I know that exams need to happen, or some way of us getting grades, but I think it needs to be done in a way whereby it doesn't become our number one focus in school. When we go back to school, we need to be focused on actually learning everything that we have missed because of the virus, and then getting to a point where we're back on the syllabus, and where we should be if the pandemic had never happened. Exam stress doesn't allow that to be the focus, so I don't know what the answer is, but it needs to basically happen in the background without, stressing, without us stressing about it. So we can actually learn the things we're meant to be learning. Sophie, that's a brilliant point, And I agree with you. I completely, completely agree with you. Exams can't be the thing that we put front and centre because the fact that we've missed so much school um, means we need to um, we need to relearn that stuff. Um, the purpose of school, uh, this is an issue that comes up that came up well before the pandemic of um, if the purpose of school is to um, to get good grades and exams or is to actually help us learn stuff and learn useful information and improve our improve our brains, whatever. Um, and if you think that um, the purpose of school is the latter, then exams really shouldn't be the main focus. Obviously, there needs to be a way of assessing people and giving people grades, because otherwise, how will universities pick students? How will people be able to, how, you know, how will universities be able to sort people? They give out more offers than spaces. So, of course, it will be, um, it will be difficult if, um, what happened last year happens again and everyone gets into the uni they were offered um so yeah 
I do think that um, some form of assessment is needed, but I think it needs to be something in the background. Perhaps um, you learn the topics and then at the end, um, the teacher chooses two or three topics that um, people know the best. Send them to the exam board and those are the topics um, you're tested on, almost like a mini assessment. That's just an idea at the top of my head, but I think that perhaps it could be um, the way forward. Um, so yeah, thanks for that text there, Sophie. Uh, thank you to everyone for getting in touch throughout the hour. Uh, if you've missed any of the show, you can um, catch up on the website, www.wizardradio.co.uk forward slash repeat. Go to Sunday and scroll down. You can listen to the show there. But also, uh, the show is available on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, on Deezler, on lots of other, every other podcast platform. All you have to do is search Matthew Wolf. Um, the podcast is titled Your Views on the News with Matthew Wolf. Um, give it a listen there um, you can listen to this week's episode but because it's a, a podcast you can also listen to last week's show and the shows before it would, I'd really appreciate it if um, everyone checked that out uh, up next is Madeline Molly but first it's time for the news and the weather It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.